0: Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Madisec, digital editor for the Archdiocese
1: of Baltimore. Our guest today is Deacon Sean Keller, a permanent deacon at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Baltimore. Our topic is how to live your faith in a secular culture. Deacon Sean, thanks
2: for being here. Thanks for having me.
1: So it's no secret that a lot of people are really indifferent to organized religion or just to any sense of faith at all these days. Uh, you have some statistics that kind of bear that out. Could you talk a little bit about some of the recent studies that, that show?
2: Sure. There's been a, a variety of studies that have been conducted uh, both by uh, secular and, uh, and non-secular uh, organizations. And uh, a couple that I, I'd like to refer to is one done by CARA, and just want to point out a couple interesting statistics. Uh, in 1970, and this is a, this is on baptisms of infants, and this is the previous year. And in 1970, there were approximately 1.1 million children baptized in the previous year. So that would have been 1969. That number in 2018 was 615,000. And you think about that. You know, our country is getting larger. And the number of Catholics is getting larger, you think, but the actual number of baptisms is getting smaller. And then when you think of marriage, and this is really stunning, this number in uh, the, the 1970 number was 426,000, and in 2018 was 143,000. Mm. So when you when you look at those numbers, and then you compare that with a Pew research that demonstrates and shows the number of people that that identify with some type of faith tradition it's very unsettling so in 2007 the pew research found that 16 percent of people did not identify 16 percent of americans did not identify with some type of faith tradition and in 2017 that number has risen to 23 Mm percent so in just 10 years it's really gone up significantly but the real the real number that is very very unsettling is of that of that of those people that don't identify with a faith tradition 35% of them are millennials so when you start you think about that all these numbers especially when you look at history in general where People have always had some type of religion, and maybe not Christianity, maybe the, uh, in early Roman times when they worshipped many gods, people have always had some type of sense of religion. And so this is what's really unsettling, is that you have so many people that don't identify with anything.
1: There are a lot of cultural forces at play here, and certainly the sex abuse crisis in the Catholic Church is playing a role here. But what do you attribute some of this decline
2: to? Why, why are people abandoning the faith or not even thinking about faith? Well, I think there's, uh, there's as our knowledge has, has grown and we have questions, that's, which is totally perfectly normal, uh, I think some of it is obviously um, some of the own challenges we have in our own church. Mm-hmm. Um, that certainly has a play. I think it's also as our generations, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. And so what are we doing as Gen Xers to raise our children, to reinforce the values that we receive through the faith? Um, Those are those are some things. And then also the rise and the influence of uh, our media, especially social media, Mm -hmm. where everybody has a platform and you don't necessarily have to back up any of your claims with empirical evidence. You don't have to do any of that. So you throw all that out there. You throw uh, this desire to have material things. You have this this uh, all these different influences, these external influences and it really is no wonder why these numbers are are playing out like this.
1: I, th- I think you're also seeing a coolness factor here too with atheism, especially that on social media. It's, it's the cool. Oh thing yeah, that. it's <laughs> kind of
2: hip. You know, it's it's hip. You know, to, to be atheistic and uh, and and you even see that in um, in popular cult, in popular uh, figures, especially uh, that come out of uh, the entertainment industry.
1: Mm-hmm. Given this cultural context, it seems to me that it would be countercultural to be a person of faith. Do you think that's the case? And and how can you live your faith in this in this secular culture?
2: So I, I think being countercultural is, is a key term. It really is. You know, our, our rector, Father James Bork, he often t- mentions being radical and being countercultural uh, in his many homilies. And and so that is being countercultural. And what you also see, though, which I think is sign of a, a sign of hope is for those that are returning to the church and when, especially when you see the uh, the Millennials and the Gen Zers um, so I have two daughters and one is a, is a millennial and the other is a Gen Zer and so the Gen Zer always reminds me that she's not a millennial um, when they are coming back and, and they've kind of had this college experience and so forth but sometimes you see this um, the, them coming in and they're embracing not just the faith, but the rituals that are part of our faith and and i think that often leads to what we talk about how do you bring people back and and i often reference bishop Barron. he talks about the three things the beauty the beauty of the church and when you think about it we really got that covered we got that covered in spades i often tell people that you know when you come into a church you want to have that otherworldly experience and so as a mystical faith, we try to appeal to people's senses, you know, the sight. What do they see? Hopefully the beauty that God has given us, you know, in this place of worship, what they hear, hopefully great preaching and great song, great music that appeals to your heart, to the smells, the candles, the incense, to the taste, the sweetness of of the of the wine of the, the 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 blood of Christ, you know, and you appeal to all these senses, and you try to to really give them that otherworldly experience through the beauty and the mystical uh, the mysticalness of our faith, if that's such a word. The other thing is, you talk about the good works of the church, the goodness of the church. Catholic Relief Services, based out of here, in Baltimore. I have friends that work for them. I've had friends that have actually left higher-paying jobs because they wanted to do the work of the church through Catholic Relief Services. You know, the largest non-governmental agency, uh, social justice agency in the world. I mean, that's, that's the goodness of the, of, the, of the church. You know, our hospitals, our schools, our churches, all of those things that we do to really live out our life through the gospel. And then finally, the truth. You know, our world is craving the truth. And um, in a time when you have moral relativism, where that's the code of public life, as Catholics we have to be countercultural and we have to say no. We have to be willing to stand up and say no. We have to be radical. So, you know, the beauty of the church, the works, and then the truth. And that's how we can appeal to people. You know, I often tell people I say, You're not going to you know you know, we we live in this in a pluralist world. And I can't go into my office over in Columbia and walk around with the Bible and bump people in the head. That's not going to work. Okay? But people have to see me living out my faith. How do they see me? How do I conduct myself? Am I fair? You know? Am I compassionate? Am I merciful? All those things they apply just as much in our outside of church life if you will as they do You know, when we're sitting in the pews and, and saying amen that we believe.
1: Our guest today is Deacon Sean Keller of the Baltimore Basilica, and our conversation will return in a moment when we'll talk a little bit more about some of the practical ways you can live your faith in this culture that we live in. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Madisec. We'll be back in a moment.
3: Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Archbishop William E. Lori ordained three men to the priesthood during a joyous June 22nd Mass at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen Homeland. The newest priests are Father Matthew J. DeFusco, Father Matthew T. Himes, and Father Tyler G. Klein. For full coverage of the ordination and to read profiles of the new priests, visit catholicreview.org. More than 2,260 students graduated from Catholic high schools in the Archdiocese of Baltimore this year, with 98% of them heading to college in five countries and 41 states in the fall. 44% graduate with honors and nearly half receive college scholarships. Learn more about this year's graduations at CatholicReview.org and be sure to check back in the coming weeks for featured profiles of graduates. Also, look for photos of graduations on the Catholic Review page on SmugMug. Aid to the Church in Need raised more than $125 million in 2018 to help support persecuted Christians particularly in the Middle East, where tens of thousands of Christians have been forced to flee their homes due to ongoing war and conflicts over the last decade. Releasing its 2018 annual report on June 20th, the Vatican-recognized foundation that assists minority Christian communities and people persecuted for their faith said the donations funded no fewer than 5,019 pastoral projects in some 139 different countries with 27% of the donations going to Africa and 25% to the Middle East. Projects in the Middle East have increased since the 2011 Arab Spring, the foundation said. In the past seven years, it said the foundation has devoted to the region a total of 111.8 million, of which over 20.3 million were in 2018 alone. Over 12 percent of the total aid the report said went to assisting thousands of Christians in the Middle East, especially in Syria and Iraq, and funded the rebuilding of nearly 1,500 Christian homes. For more on this story, visit CatholicReview.org. From the newsroom of The Catholic Review, I'm Sarah Travelos.
4: Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV?
5: Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770.
0: You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM.
1: Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. Our guest today is Deacon Sean Keller of the Baltimore Basilica, and we're discussing how to live your faith in a secular culture. Deacon Keller, I think there's a great temptation these days to sort of divide up your life, that you're one person at church if you go to church, and then you're another person with your friends, and then another person at work. How do you kind of bring that all together and, and, and live an authentic life?
2: Well, I, I, think, um, I, I think the key term is authenticity. People will always see through every pious act, and and I love the story recently of, uh, of 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 Harrison Butker, who's a kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs, because he's out there on the world stage in kind of this this you know male-dominated profession, you know, where the guys are tough and all this kind of stuff. And um, he shares a story about in college he drifted away from his faith. He found himself starting to seek purpose in life um, after a period of time, and you know, some purpose beyond the football field. And he said he went to confession, and that really changed him. And from then on, he found himself yearning for something else and starting to live a more authentic life. And he started reconciling that. As I say to people, I say, you know, you have to be the same person in church as you are when the people see you at work and the same people that see you in your neighborhood. And so that authenticity, because if you're not, people will see through that. People are not stupid, and they'll see right through that. And so you've got to be authentic. And so that kind of takes us to kind of this idea of how do we witness in our world? If you can't go around you know, smacking people over the head with the Bible, how do you witness in your world? And I, I pulled to some of the tenets of Opus Dei um, because it applies across the board to all of us. First of all, we all need to have our own deep conversion. And that's unique to us. That's as unique to us as our soul. And so your conversion experience and, and my conversion experience are two totally different. Are totally different. But we have to have that conversion experience. Okay? We have to be willing to be bold and confident. And how do we do that? How do we get the energy? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit and 2,000 years of sacred tradition on our side. Okay, So we can be bold and we can be confident. And we have to have this, you mentioned earlier about this duality. We have to have a unity of life. And so we have to have the courage to witness for the faith, to step away from those things that are counter to living that authentic Catholic Christian life. And St. Jose Maria he explained that Christians working in the world should not live a kind of double life. On the one hand, an interior life, a life of, of union with God, and on the other, a separate and distinct professional, social, and family life. He says, on the contrary, there is just one life made of flesh and spirit. And it is this life which has to become one in both soul and body, holy and filled with God. And so that's this idea of unity of life. And then there's this this notion of sanctifying work. And that's, that means doing work with the Spirit of Christ to work competently and ethically with the aim of loving God and serving others and thus to sanctify the world from within by making the gospel present in all the activities, whether they be outstanding or humble and hidden. Because in the, in the eyes of God, what really matters is the love that is put into our work, not its human success. That's really what's important. And finally, charity. To, to meet Christ is to find a treasure that we can't stop sharing because we're so excited for the faith. We're witnesses to Jesus and we spread his message of hope with example and our words. Saint Jose Maria wrote, he said, Side by side with our colleagues, friends, and relatives and sharing their interests, we can help them come closer to Christ. The wish to make others know Christ, which is a direct consequence of charity, that is love of God above all things and of one's neighbor as oneself, cannot be separated from the desire to contribute to finding solutions to the material needs and social problems of our, of our world. And so you had these, kind of these, these ideas, the of unity of life, the sanctifying work, and charity one of my favorite sayings is from Saint John the 23rd and I hope I get it right he says um, in necessities unity in non necessities diversity but in all things charity Mm -hmm. so we if we apply that to our daily lives you know in all things charity hopefully people will see that your colleagues and your friends and your, your family and your neighbors they will all see that so that you're the same person that they see in the neighborhood the same person they see in a tie and the jacket at the office and the same person that they they meet in the pews at church and that will
1: require some tough calls at times like if your best buddy is getting married and he, he asks you to come to the bachelor bachelor party and you might not necessarily need to go right. if you're going to have that united right. life
2: <laughs> i i it's funny you said that because i actually um i was sharing this with a couple that's getting married and i said look i said I know that there's parties and things that go on before a person gets married. But how about just going have dinner? Have dinner and have some fellowship with your friends. You don't need to be attracted to those things that the secular world tells you have to do. It takes courage. You have to have courage to be countercultural. But if you have that, you'll be authentic and people will see that. And they'll respect you for that. They really will.
1: Are there other practical things that people can do to, to live their faith in this culture that we live in?
2: I often uh, associate this with um, the idea of, you know, how do we attract people? How do we appeal to the nuns out there? How do we get those folks back into, uh, into the pews or the, the non believers? One is love. It always starts with love, okay? Um, compassion. Extending compassion to a colleague requires no effort on your part but it goes a long way here's my favorite one is mercy Hmm. um always being merciful that's the one thing that christ taught us is is merciful be merciful as as the father is humility people don't like uh, a boastful person they just don't being humble i always tell people kid around that uh, i take great pride in my humility (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <You> know <laughs> and and uh, but but there's this idea and I always get around' this it's this humility that you know I always struggle with you know it's and you know I'm, I'm a type a personality you know and I want to be out there um, but it's humility and we got to work that hospitality always extending the hospitality of the church how about inviting somebody to come to mass with you um, I think about a couple friends that uh, years ago I started when they were they were lapsed Catholics and I um I finally said, look, you're going to go to, I want you to go to mass with me. And I literally picked them up on a Sunday. We'd take them to mass and then we'd go have breakfast afterwards. And then over time that became a practice. It became practice so much that they started doing it themselves without me. They said, hey, look, I'm going to go to the church that's closest to home and so forth. But you got to do that. You got to extend the hospitality of the church. You got to be willing to do that. Go that extra step. And finally, we got to be excited about our faith. You know, we, we can't, you know have our faces long and feeling all oh, my sins and i'm just a miserable person people have to see that you're excited about your faith because they want people want to be around a happy person it's infectious but we have to be excited about our faith and i think that's ways that you can appeal to people and hopefully draw them back to the lord if they've never been that they'll at least start asking questions what's going on what do you do until you get to that point where you come comfortable say hey why don't you come with me
1: I think that friendship is so key. And at the Basilica, you're working on that with groups like the P3 group. Could you tell us what that is?
2: So I'm glad you asked that question. I can do some gratuitous advertising for the Basilica. But P3 stands for Prayer, Penance, and Pub. It's actually an offshoot of a program we used to run on Thursday nights, but it's been expanded. And so it begins with adoration, quiet adoration. And you come into the the Undercroft Chapel, and you have a time that, that we've time to reflect, especially on a Thursday night. You've had most of the week is behind you, and then from there we have a talk that's given by somebody uh, who's going to give a topic on a variety of, of issues that are very relevant to our lives. Meanwhile, penance is being offered, so there's a priest that's there to to uh, to offer the sacrament of confession in the uh, small chapel that's uh, closest to the uh, the Undercroft Chapel. And then finally, we we close out with benediction, and then afterwards, we go to a pub. So we have an opportunity to have some of that fellowship and answer some questions that people might have have that are lingering in their hearts and their souls. But they might not be comfortable uh, asking a question in a a larger larger setting.
1: And you have a lot of people going to that? We do.
2: We do. Uh, We range uh, probably typically 30 or 40 folks. I, I remember the first time I gave one, I was expecting three or four people. It was a rainy, cold Thursday night. Uh, and I thought maybe there might be five people at the most. And I go down there, and there's probably 50 or 60 folks, so I was a little shocked. And uh, so it's, it's very appealing. It's very uh, very uh, well-liked, very uh, very well tended. And I really encourage anyone out there who's thinking about that, who's, who's just kind of um, maybe feel that tugging, the Lord calling them, join us. Join us. You will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. I promise it.
1: And people can find out more information on the website? Yes, if you go
2: to the Baltimore Basilica website, um, just Google americasfirstcathedral.org or baltimorebasilica.org. It'll take you there, and all that information is there. And the other beauty is they're taped. So if you haven't heard some of them, you can sit there and listen to them uh, in your car, um, at home, at work during lunchtime.
1: That's great. Well, Deacon Sean Keller, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore.
2: I uh, appreciate it. Thank you very much.
1: Before we close out the show, I'd like to draw the attention of our listeners to a book written by Archbishop William D. Borders, one of the former archbishops of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. It's called Spiritual Living in Secular Society, and in it, the archbishop touches on a lot of the themes we've been discussing today, especially from a theological perspective. I'd like to just close with one of the passages from that book. Here's Archbishop Borders. To possess faith is to stake one's life on God's love. Until a person makes such a commitment, he or she does not possess faith. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening.
4: Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org.